Number 10. He paused. He could come up with a hundred things, maybe even a thousand if he had a few minutes. After a few seconds, he wrote, Number 10. I have no friends. Actually, that hadn't always been true. He'd had friends before he moved. He'd also had his own bedroom with a double bed, not a creaky cot stuffed in the corner of a living room the size of a shoebox. He'd also had a sister who smiled and joked around with him, not this silent lump sitting on the steamer trunk. He'd had a father who didn't collapse on the couch every night smelling of wine. And he'd had a mother. The death of his mother was clearly number one on the top ten list. Before her death, there was no need for a list. There wasn't even a psychiatrist or a notebook. He didn't want to think about number one right now. He tried to think of something else, but that only made him think of her more. Her death had become the background noise of his life, like a radio you couldn't turn off. It never stopped. Aunt Agatha and Aunt Gertrude were still nowhere to be seen, so he continued the list. Number nine. I'm not good-looking. Number eight. I have no personality. Number nine, he blamed on his father, who looked like a troll. Maurice had what people politely called a prominent, big, nose. He had pointy ears and a barrel chest to match. He had hands like a boxer's, thick and hard from years of pounding dough. Rowan was a smaller but almost identical version of that. He didn't look forward to the next few years when he was supposed to fill out. On the other hand, Rowan took complete responsibility for his dull personality. He spent most of his time reading books, watching movies, and playing video and computer games. Fantasy worlds made so much more sense than his own. He'd packed every computer program and video game he owned for this trip, as well as 12 videotapes and 20 paperback books. It was his arsenal to battle the long, empty days that loomed ahead. He went back to his top ten list. Number seven. I have no sister. This would seem a strange thing to write since she was sitting right next to him. But the silent creature on the steamer trunk was not Nina. The Nina he knew was a firecracker, always jumping with ideas. She had wild black hair that had a life of its own. She would try to control it with what she called hair toys, but by the end of the day, it would be tumbling back around her shoulders and face. Everything about her was a little wild, and she brought this same energy to the piano. Nina was a musical prodigy. Her gift became apparent to everyone when at age three she began picking out tunes by ear that she'd heard on the radio. Once she started formal lessons, she progressed rapidly, and by age eight, she'd won the International Chopin Contest. The finest piano teachers in the country clamored to teach her. Her life was a series of recitals, interviews, lessons, recordings, and she loved it. She thrived on challenge. But after their mother died, Nina shut down. She stopped speaking. 
Her whirlwind schedule was replaced by grief counseling and psychiatrists. Nothing worked, though, and now Rowan was stuck taking care of her. As he sat huddled over the notebook, he was so preoccupied with how unfair life could be that he didn't notice the plump woman, dressed entirely in purple, who was quickly approaching, arms outstretched. When Rowan finally saw her, he jumped. He thought he was being attacked by a giant blueberry. I'm so sorry we're late, Rowan dear. My goodness, how you've grown! Aunt Agatha tweaked his cheeks, smoothed his hair, and straightened his collar. Rowan thought she should pay more attention to her own appearance. Her light brown hair was coming out of the bun she'd arranged with what looked like a couple of chopsticks. She wore a purple cotton jumper that had been misbuttoned, a lavender shirt which was inside out, and shoes that looked suspiciously like bedroom slippers.